That's never going to leave <laughs> for the posterity. Internet. That is what you prefer to be called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Just just for the record, if any mm-hmm. of you run into me in public, please don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> you will have made your own bed. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, Brooke. We were talking about McDonald's earlier. We were. We, we were both talk- ate McDonald's today. We did, and I only ate it because I'm codependent, and you had it earlier. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I said I finally got the McGriddle. Yes. Because you had recommended it to me, and you said that it was really good. I did. And guess what? What? It was, and I liked it. Yes. Yes, it was good. But, you know, my normal order is like a biscuit sandwich. Yeah. And I liked that. I like that better. Yeah, that's unfortunate that you don't have any taste at all. <laughs> yeah, when well. it comes to sandwiches. <laughs> I just, I told you, I prefer a purely savory breakfast or a purely sweet. Like, I don't want them mixed. But, I mean, as Hannah Montana would say, best of both worlds. (laughs) I have never once watched Hannah Montana. Really? I've never seen an episode, no. Huh. I don't even know. I mean, I guess I kind of know what it's about. It's like, she pretends to be a pop star. Yes. Okay, and nobody knows that it's her. She puts on the wig, and nobody can tell. Nobody can a tell a single difference between the two. I mean, it's like the classic trope of like a woman taking off her glasses, and now she's beautiful. It's like, yeah. can you not see her face? Yeah, <laughs> she's she looks great. I remember thinking at that young age ish. I, I wasn't super young when Hannah Montana came out, but I wasn't super old. But I remember thinking, I don't think this is plausible. <laughs> right. I, and I remember like. I feel like several six-year-olds would agree with me. (laughs) We really have to suspend reality for this one. But they were just willing to do it, I guess. Some people are just stars. And we want to watch them do anything as ridiculous as the story is. I know. And I actually really liked that show, even though it was very cheesy. And Miley was a questionably good actress at that time. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No hate to Miley. Love Miley. I mean, no. it is what it is. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Yes. Anyways. Well, anyway, Brookie Poo, was it? <laughs> Brookie Poo? Uh, we have made it here today to talk about our attachment favorite. styles again. Yes. We love, love talking about attachment styles. We know that you guys love when we talk about attachment styles. It's backed by popular demand. Because <laughs> we've had 11 listeners on our first... <laughs> first podcast that's out now and we know that our huge base of listeners wants this yeah although i'm not confident that all 11 listens were my mom and my sister (laughs) i can tell you this we had 11 listens. 11 double digits yeah so pretty proud of that it's more than zero more than zero so uh yeah and today We're going to talk about avoidant attachment. And it's exactly what it sounds like. So the end. (laughs) Okay. And we're done. Great. Glad you listened. Well, and to drum up some more listens, Mm. um, the previous podcast that was released was about um, anxious attachment and secure attachment. So if you haven't listened to that, go and listen to that first. Yes. Because we're going to kind of be tying it all in. Yes. Right? Highly recommend listening to that one. It'll help you with the first two styles immensely. But we will briefly touch upon what we talked about last week just so that we can kind of piece it all together. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, so secure attachment in a nutshell is a relationship pattern with someone who is easily trusting, able to regulate their emotions, comfortable being alone or with their partner, and can easily seek support from them without making assumptions or getting um, fearful of the relationship. And then avoidant attachment is a dysfunctional relationship pattern in which one person's needs are secondary to another because the codependent in the relationship is worried 
that the other person won't want to be close to them. So they feel insecure and not good enough and are constantly trying to prove that that's not true or asking the other person to prove that that's not true. Which is highly synonymous with codependency. That's what usually what a codependent is a lot of the times. And then the avoidant attachment is a dysfunctional relationship pattern in which the person attempts to avoid intimacy, commitment, and overall closeness in the relationship. And that can manifest in by, by either um, they will either physically or emotionally detach when they mm-hmm. feel the relationship's getting close. Yeah. So it's like a threat to them. Like intimacy is a threat and they have to like get away from it. Right. Whereas anxious attachment is like, we can never get enough uh-huh. intimacy. We uh-huh. need more of it. Um, the we threat need... is that you will go away. Right, right. We don't want that intimacy to go away, but yet avoidant is the opposite. And what's crazy about this is um, the book Attached that we referenced in our in our previous podcast, and which we'll be referencing a lot today as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it talks about the fact that anxious avoid or anxious attachments and avoidant attachments are the ones to pair up the most. Which of course, you're like, really? That's mm-hmm. that's just great. But it's perfect true. storm. It's true, and they are the hardest to. I mean, it's not impossible, but it it takes a lot of work on both parties to make it work because mm-hmm. they both just naturally function in totally different ways. Right? Yeah. And they trigger each other, mm-hmm. um, which is why they stay together. And mm-hmm. we'll be going into, um, you know, all the traits of an avoidant and what that looks like in, in just a sec. But yeah, really, the, the best, the reason why we're going over this is as a codependent, which most likely, if you are a codependent, you're most likely going to be anxious, at, anxiously attached. Mm-hmm. Um, we do understand that you've either been in a relationship probably with an avoidant at some point, you didn't realize they were an avoidant, or you might in the future be with one, mm-hmm. um, or you're with one now and you're not, you're not even aware that you are, but mm-hmm. um, it's important to define these so we know uh, just how different these attachment styles operate so that you can now better relate in your relationships moving forward. Um, boom, mic drop. Boom. That's exactly it. <laughs> well, and you know, are attachment styles everything? No. But why yeah. would we not want to understand our patterns of behavior so, like singularly and just with ourselves, but then also with the part- a partner, your partner? Because exactly. that is ultimately what's like acknowledging that and being aware of that is the only way that you're going to create something that you are comfortable living with. Totally. You know? Totally. And, and that's why it's important to define really what these differences are so that you can now move forward and relate better with that person. And, you know, sometimes you're, you're in a relationship and you're fighting so much and you're not even realizing why you're fighting so mm-hmm. much. And you can maybe even realize these fights are pointless. Why mm-hmm. are we fighting all the time? It A lot of it has to do, a lot of it comes back to different attachment styles. Yeah. And when you really find out these patterns for yourself and for your partner, it can really change things. Yeah. You, you know? won't always be at odds because that underlying thing is not eating away at your relationship subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So some of the traits of an avoidant attachment would be fear of intimacy, which is you know the biggest the big one. one that's kind of the foundational reason why they'd be behaving in these ways yeah right? yeah absolutely this all comes this is a fear-based um attachment style i mean they all are the attachment or the anxious and the avoidant are both fear-based but this one's more of a oh no if this person gets too close you know i might break my heart or, or you lose know. myself yeah and that moves on to the next point of that them valuing his or her independence greatly. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a matter of like, oh, they're an independent person. It's like, no, I physically need space from you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally okay if we don't see each other for a while. And I think it's more like, because like, I, I think you and I both like our independence. I think that that's something a lot of people can relate to. But when it crosses the boundary of like, anything you do together or any need your partner has you see it as a threat to your independence that probably is yes really the key there right that's a huge huge point right yeah like being in a relationship even just having the title of that can be so smothering mm-hmm. to where they're like uh i yeah. need to escape you know? yeah so yeah i would say that's a big one and then uh devalues you or previous partners 
Um, now, yeah, this one is, it's tricky because um, this can show up in a lot of different ways, but a lot of the times from what I've read about avoidance, um, the, as soon as they see a few traits of yours that are not pleasing to them, they'll think back on their previous partner and be like, man, I miss so-and-so. They didn't do, used to do these things. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they'll do a lot of comparison in their head. Mm-hmm. And that's usually, I mean, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't be doing those kind of comparisons to your new partner. Yeah. And a lot of it is, you know, it, it can be weird, quirky things too. It can be like you say that you just moved in with an avoidant attachment or say you guys have been living together and you notice that like the avoidant gets furious if you leave the cap off the, t- the toothpaste and not like mm-hmm. put the cap back on and they can make that as a reason to be like oh I'm just gonna like stay late at the office tonight mm-hmm. like it could just be something that triggered them so you know because then it just reminds them that they're not alone in their yeah. apartment anymore I can't do things exactly my way at all times and then subconsciously that's like I'm trapped yeah yeah exactly so I would say that's a big one um, they use distancing strategies for emotional or physical intimacy, you know, so a lot of that could be, they get sucked into work a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like that's physically trying to, um, avoid the relationship, but like, you know, there's, and that there's nothing wrong with getting sucked into work by the way, or for, if you're a workaholic or anything like that, but they will use that as the perfect guise mm-hmm. to be like, all right, you know this extra time I could be spending with my spouse. Perfect. I'm busy at work, mm-hmm. so I'm not able to spend that time with them. And yeah. I'm fine with it. It's a ma- manner of avoiding your right. relationship. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then it, on, on top of that, not just physical distancing, but emotional distancing mm-hmm. as well. And that could show up in many different ways. They could just avoid having those emotional discussions that keep the relationship on track, you know? Mm-hmm. They might come into a room and see that you're visibly upset, but then go about their day as if normal, right? Um, those are just a few examples of what emotional distancing can look like as well. Yeah, and I think it ties into the next one, emphasizes boundaries in a relationship. Like, instead of emphasizing the things that can bring you closer the emphasis is like on stay back yeah here are the things i can't do for you right you know here are the things i don't want you to do right just to keep you at bay keep you know so that you're not too enmeshed right and that could be like you know um i don't like the avoidant could be like i just don't want to text throughout the day like maybe one or two texts is more my my style Mm -hmm. or like I'm not a big texter I don't want to be on my phone all day yeah that'll be them putting that boundary down and then if there's like one day where you might text a little more than usual they might you know think that you're overstepping the boundaries hey remember I said I don't want to text (laughs) yeah yeah and they might remind you of that Mm -hmm. right yeah or they just might feel smothered and start withdrawing without even not responding to those texts right yeah so they, I would say, um, the whole ghosting cliche with dating as well. Yeah. You could probably assume has an mm-hmm. avoidant attachment style, but yeah. I would say there's the ghosting thing doesn't just doesn't just relate to avoidant attachment people as well. Yeah. yeah, but I do think there's a high percentage of people who are avoidant that probably take that route, even maybe past where normally people would ghost because you're like further along in the relationship and they still take the route of ghosting. Yes. Whereas people who aren't avoidant, if you're that close or if you sta- if established more of a dating pattern in a relationship, they might feel like they need to say something, you know? Uh, yes. I think a lot of people who are avoidant or not at the beginning, or maybe I went on one date with you, I don't know anything about you, I just met you via an app. Okay, I'm just not going to respond to you. Right. That's normal. But then I think maybe avoidant people would choose to ghost even if you're further along in the dating process yeah yeah actually I um speaking of which I like I forgot where I heard this story it was like a podcast or something but it was about this girl who said that she was dating a guy for eight months and they were like seeing each other regularly going on dates regularly like dating you know and the only thing they discussed at the time is that they were exclusively dating and that was the the deal Mm -hmm. well eight months in he just completely ghosted her Eight months. Eight months in, completely 
ghosts her and has no explanation, nothing. He like changed his number, disappeared off the face of the planet. I think she said something about reaching out to his mom or something, but uh, I don't know. His mom was like covering for him or something mm-hmm. and just she never got any answers and it was wow. literally just... And I can't, I can't imagine building up that emotional intimacy. Well, it sounds like he's an avoidance. So I don't know how much emotional intimacy was built up, mm-hmm. but... You become, you feel attached, you know. Yeah, and if she was anxiously attached, that that mm-hmm. must have been very difficult. For, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's just like one crazy example, but I'm sure there's like other gnarlier examples. I'm sure yeah. like when people walk out on their wedding days or stuff like that. Like, yeah. You know, I'm not saying this is all avoidant attachment mm-hmm. things, but um, it could it, be. It could be. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's crazy, and I think like the idea of like their mentality is when there's a disagreement or when there's something wrong to like retreat. Yeah. You know, that's the main thing of like they either explode or retreat. Exactly. And a big thing, I think uh trigger, it's a big trigger for anxious attachments because we want to make sure everything's okay. We want to talk about it immediately. We want to make sure you know, you're not gonna just leave. Right. But then their response is like, okay, bye. Right. You know, for how, question mark, how long? <laughs> exactly. And whereas an anxious attachment puts the other person's emotional well-being sometimes over their own, mm-hmm. the, the avoidant attachment won't put your emotional well-being over their own. They'll put their own emotional well-being over yours. And they will very much so... Um, just avoid feeling any emotions whatsoever, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, like, difficult, like, the difficulty of having that communication or, like, talking about what's going on between you two is where that comes from because it's so much easier to just leave because another characteristic of an avoidant attachment is that it's difficult to talk about the emotional intimacy, the problems between you guys, even what's yeah. good between you guys. They don't want to bring it up almost like out of sight out of mind like let's not discuss it because yeah. it'll bring more commitment right and yeah it's like let's not bring the up the elephant in the room mm-hmm. type thing and what's funny is not to get on an astrological kick because mm-hmm. i know a lot of people don't believe in astrology and that's fine mm-hmm. but i think it's interesting and um a lot of that, I mean, a lot of your attachment styles can also be related to like your zodiac sign. And I did an extensive birth chart reading where they discussed how I would most likely have codependency issues from birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, I just find it really fascinating that um, certain horoscope styles and how they relate to one another mm-hmm. can also exacerbate or just shine a light on these attachment styles. Yeah, that's cool. We definitely should do an episode on that. Yeah. And like talk about ours specifically. Because I know I'm a Taurus Leo Leo, right? That's yeah. what we said. Yes. So Taurus, I feel like I don't know that that's classically codependent, but I have so much Leo Yes, that I think that might be Leo. Um, yeah, that's 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 interesting. I would have to do more research on what like Leo would lean towards. Oh, okay. Well, eleven our eleven listeners, <laughs> wait for that. That's coming. An episode on horoscopes and codependency, yeah. and we'll talk all about our own birth charts. Yeah, I'm a Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. Triple water sign, baby. Triple water sign. And yeah, that, like, cancers for sure want to talk things out immediately, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm always somehow am paired up with the opposite all the time. But yeah, anyways, we'll go into more of that on our Zodiac one. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be a fun one. 11 listeners, you won't want to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've kind of described what avoidance look like is there anything else that we missed um there's a few others actually um they have an unreal or yeah they have an unrealistic romantic view of how relationships should be they have a rigid view of relationships and they have uncompromising rules 
Um, during a disagreement, they need to get away or explode. Yeah, I guess we did talk about some of that. Um, oh, doesn't make his or her intentions clear. Mm. That one is pretty uh, difficult for an anxious attachment to deal with because yeah. we are always trying to analyze intention all the time. And yeah. if you don't make that clear to us, we're going to assume that your intent is bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, oh, and this isn't, this was listed somewhere else in the book, but just wanted to bring this up as a bonus. They usually are pretty flirty with other people. Um, and not in a purposely want to hurt you type way, but just a, let's keep the intimacy, uh, stifled between us. So I'm going to kind of play around and flirt with other people. Like you're not going to trap me into not behaving the way I want to act at all times. I'm going to still act this way, even though we're together. Yeah, exactly. Like these rules can't hold me down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that they are um, established as an autonomous person who can still do their own thing. Yeah. So that is, and that's not something I'm making up. It's it's actually listed in the book somewhere. I just um, thought I would add that as a bonus. But yeah. But yeah, those are all the avoidant attachment styles. I think that's kind of sums it up. But um, what we wanted to move into next is talking about what's called the anxious avoidant trap. So like we discussed earlier, unfortunately, anxious and avoidance are the ones to date each other the most. Um, 70, I think it's something like 75% of, um, uh, I forgot it was like, like... The people they interviewed were, one was anxious, one was attached, or uh, avoidant? Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. Like a high percentage of people gravitate towards each other that way. And you and I have both had our, you know, fill of that for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. I've dated um, both styles, and yeah, uh, it. Oh, and the thing about it too is avoidance are always in the dating scene because mm. you can't pin them down. You can't pin them down. They don't like commitment. You know, one little thing pisses them off about you, or like just doesn't jive well with them, and they're on to the next. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's what they were saying. Like maybe there is something that draws an anxious and avoidant to one another, but also there are just a lot of avoidance in the dating pool as options because secure people will make a choice. Yeah, you know, and avoidant people won't. They'll get out. Exactly. And then the anxious is also going to be more in the dating pool because mm-hmm. they're probably perceived as clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot in relationships. Exactly. Expecting the worst. Right. And then perpetuating mm-hmm. what they didn't mean to perpetuate because yeah. of all the... It's almost like you manifest what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. So if you're always just, oh my gosh, you know this relationship's not going to work out. They're going to leave me. Mm-hmm. It ends up Guess turning what? into that. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So then they end up dating each other. And a lot of these relationships, you end up dating the actual opposite of you. Yep. (laughs) So the anxious avoidant trap. Sorry, did you want to, you want to get into that or? Uh, I want to, yeah, let's get into the anxious avoidant trap. There were a lot of good parts in the book. I think that you just wanted to read off, right? Oh yeah. Because we couldn't describe it better. I know. Honestly, um, we couldn't paraphrase it any better than what they talked about. So the anxious avoidant trap is uh, exactly what it sounds like. When an anxious and avoidant get together, they can fall into what's called the anxious avoidant trap. And that uh, includes the roller coaster effect. So in the relationship, you never sail along on an even, even keel. Instead, every once in a while, when the avoidant partner makes him or herself available to the anxious partner... The latter's attachment system is temporarily quieted and you receive and you achieve extreme closeness, leading to the feeling of a high. This closeness, however, is perceived as a threat by the avoidant partner and is quickly followed by withdrawal on his or her part, only to create renewed dissatisfaction for the anxious partner. Yeah, and I think that that whole like high-low thing, we've talked about that before, how that's like what the anxious person is used to in life like I'm on this high now I'm on this low I'm on this high now I'm on this low with friends with anybody and so in that's probably what we're looking for in a relationship right that I I feel this high and then I feel this low and I feel like a a need to try to fix it to get back to the high and you can become addicted to that up and down loop 
Right. Otherwise, you know, people might feel bored if there's nothing to chase or, you know, people end up being addicted to their anxiety and need to control and fix something or change something or, you know, whatever. And if there's nothing to do that for, then you're, you feel stuck or like something is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what causes that roller coaster effect. And we all, I think, know this pretty well. I know I have in mm-hmm. previous relationships where it's just, woo, all over the place, right? Yeah. And it, it is exhausting, but you end up, you feel like you can't get out of it. Yes. You know? You feel a bit trapped, and especially if feelings have been established, it's like, well, I... I don't want to see this person move on and mm-hmm. uh, they don't want to see me move on. And then now we're just stuck in this thing. Yeah. And then the next one is the emotional counterbalancing act. So if you're an avoidant, you often inflate your self-esteem and sense of independence in comparison to someone else. If you're anxious, you are programmed to feel less than when your attachment system gets activated. Frequently, avoidants feel independent and powerful only to the extent that their partner feels needy and incapable. This is one of the main reasons avoidance hardly ever date one another. They can't feel strong and independent in relation to someone who shares the same sentiment as they do. Huge. Huge, right? So, I mean, I never really thought about this until the book outlined it, but mm-hmm. it's very true. I mean, why would an avoidant get with another avoidant who can show the same amount of power um, that mm-hmm. they do mm-hmm. and the same amount of avoiding that they do or they're not now going to be getting back, which ironically they don't want yeah exactly I know and I think that um you know again this isn't another good reason why anxious and avoidant are drawn to one another like this is a good example of what we offer the other person to like stay in our pattern that we've created for ourselves so if you're not trying to get healthy as a person you are this puzzle piece that that seems to match to this other puzzle piece, but it's an, it's like a puzzle. No one should be finishing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like That's not a big picture puzzle we want to see. And to, you need to like shift your own shape of your puzzle piece so that you can connect to another, like to another secure puzzle piece. And then that's the big picture puzzle we want to see. You know, it's like, yeah, the consequence of staying as you are and then attaching to the opposite, you know, avoidant to anxious, anxious to avoidant, it yields these consequences that just end up making you, uh, unstable, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like it talked about, you're never on an even keel in Mm -hmm. the first one. It's the same thing. And it's like, that can be draining on a person. And then the anxious attachment who already obsesses over the relationship has to now super obsess over it because yeah. none of their needs are being met the right way. And it, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a tough one, but, um, yeah. So the emotional counterbalancing act is what that was. And it just talks about how emotionally, I mean, I hate to say it, but emotionally inca- incompatible. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can make, yeah, we'll get into that, but mm-hmm. you can make it compatible. Um, The next one is stable instability, which is kind of more of what we talked about. But the relationship may last for a long time, but an element of uncertainty uncertainty persists. Um, It says, uh, you may remain together, but with a feeling of chronic dissatisfaction, never finding the degree of intimacy that you are both comfortable with. Uh, And then it says, are we really fighting about this? That might be a question that um, you guys discuss a lot in the relationship. Mm -hmm. You may feel that you're constantly fighting about things you shouldn't be fighting about at all. In fact, your fights aren't about those minor problems, but about something else altogether. The amount of intimacy between you. And then uh, it says, life in the inner circle is the enemy. If you are anxious, you find that you're getting treated worse instead of better once you become the person closest to the avoidant. So, yeah, both of those points are really interesting. Um, The previous point when it talks about how you end up fighting about everything, um, it's crazy because the book gives examples of what a secure relationship, like what they would fight about versus what maybe an anxious and an avoidant would fight about. And it is pretty crazy how different it is because the secure 
ones, although sometimes it could be petty arguments, it's not, it's not rooted in like a, a dysfunction. It's like, yeah, we're both misunderstanding each other on this, but one conversation should, should be able to clear this up. Mm-hmm. Whereas an anxious and an, and an avoidant, they will fight over why the toothpaste isn't, or why the cap is off the toothpaste. And as much as that might be a secure thing that, that could also happen in a secure partnership, it's a little different when um, it has to do with like the intimacy styles, like what they talked yeah. about. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's underlying subconscious reasons that they're upset about that. It's not actually just that. Yes, like the secure, exactly. The secure relationship, if they're both secure, it's just going to be about the toothpaste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas if an anxious and an avoidant fight about that, the avoidance really saying, God, mm-hmm. I hate that I'm living with you. Mm-hmm. I want my space. And then the anxious is saying, God, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love me, but also like, God, why did these little things trigger this person so bad all the time? Like toothpaste, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but they're not understanding that their need for closeness is what's, you know. Yeah. What's really being talked about. Right. So I think it all depends on like what's behind the things we fight about. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, and then the inner circle thing, that was really interesting to say too, you are now number one enemy when it comes to the anxious. If you are now in that inner circle yeah, and what's a threat and what's crazy, I think a lot of women can relate to this. Um, although I, (laughs) I've never been in in a straight relationship, but I'm talking about a heterosexual relationship, right? Um, I think there, or I've seen this with previous relationships where the partner, the man would, you know, belittle their partner in front of their friends and and stuff and kind of like pick on them, but not in a, in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And that could also be part of the avoidant thing, right? Where it's like, you're my inner circle. I love you, but this is how I show my love by criticizing you. Exactly. Yeah. Which is not cool. Um, and, or completely ignoring in a group or something like that. Right. Um, it can come up in multiple ways, but like, because you are now a threat to my independence, I'm gonna treat you like you need to be avoided or taken down a peg. Right. Right. And just to be clear, this could happen in a homosexual relationship as well. I don't know why I brought up the straight relationship, but it's a trope. It is of like men doing that to women or. Yeah. yeah. I've seen it physically with my own eyes with like Mm -hmm. my straight friends and guys doing that to their partners. So, um, but yeah. And just to be clear, avoidant attachment style is primarily men based Mm -hmm. off the research, but Mm -hmm. there is a lot of women who are avoidance as well. Sure. But that's also what makes it unfair because then the trope becomes the woman is anxious and needy mm-hmm. and the man is doing his own thing. He's being a man. In fact, yeah. he's celebrated for his yeah, avoidant exactly. attachment, right? Yeah. He's such a, you know, oh, you he's know. He's a manly man. He's, he, he's not, he doesn't need love and ooey-gooey stuff to X, Y, Z. And the woman does. Exactly. You know, so it's so unhelpful. Which, if we really looked at it, and if we really were talking about it from this standpoint, we'd say, actually, he has a lot of fear. He's yeah. a coward. Exactly. He's a coward, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, not to say, I'm not trying to just put down avoidance. I'm just saying, like, if we're looking at what the behavior comes from, mm-hmm. it comes from a fear of intimacy, so. Yeah. Well, that's what's so interesting is, like, I'm not saying avoidant people are cowards, but I'm just saying if they were described like people describe anxious attachments with negative exactly. terms that's probably what would be said that's what i meant to yeah. say I didn't mean yeah. to be like he's a coward yeah no 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 <laughs> if, yes, you, if they yes. were being described in the same way both exactly. with negative concepts just unfair especially to an anxious attachment it's like where's the justice like yeah. we're described as like and seen as needy and all whatever and then clingy and then the avoidant gets to ride off into the sunset looking cool even though their behavior is based in fear right and is unhealthy and is rude and is all these things right you know so it's not like oh anxious is better it's just like let's call a spade a spade for both of them you know exactly yes 
And so that's what I meant, is if you're going to come up with the negative tropes of each one, yeah, yeah. we're clingy and needy, but y'all are, mm-hmm. you know, cowards and right. you're avoiding. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, we should make merch that says uh, avoidance are cowards. <laughs> <laughs> That won't ruffle any feathers yeah. at all. Yeah. Or like you could get a hat or a shirt with your term on it that we use in the podcast. So it could say clingy and you buy that if you're the anxious and it could say coward if you're an avoidant. How about just own AF it. AF yeah. Coward AF. Yes. Just yeah. own it. You know, yeah. in, in bedat, like I want it be to be jewels. super bejeweled. Like to, uh-huh. I'm, I'm thinking circa 2004, like really yes. bejeweled. Oh my gosh. We're doing that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're almost done here, folks. But the next one is uh, basically experiencing the trap. So at that point, you develop the eerie sense that the relationship's not right for you, but you feel too emotionally connected to the other person Mm -hmm. to leave. And so now... Lord, if I know that feeling. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we all have, right? Mm -hmm. At that point, you've now fallen into the trap because there's been enough feelings and development mm-hmm. there to not leave just for the sake of leaving, but yet at the same time, your in- intimacy needs are are uh, completely clashing, right? Yes, exactly. And I think the idea is take these as red flags and get out soon, or if you both are committed to healing, then right. do that. But don't just let this keep playing out right? and just stay in it. Right. You're exactly. You don't have to necessarily run for the door. If you like listen to that and you're like, Oh crap, I'm in one of those relationships. That doesn't mean you have to run for the door. As long as you can identify that your partner is making moves towards secure, Mm -hmm. towards being a secure attachment, you know, um, or is trying their best to fill your needs or, you know, it doesn't always have to be like, I'm bolting. Yeah. But just be aware of this because you will have to work on it together. Right. Exactly. And I, we came up with some, well, we didn't come up with it. (laughs) (laughs) The attached book describes some coping strategies that you guys can work on if you're in an anxious and avoidant relationship. Yeah. Right. And the idea is to kind of fight off your natural tendencies when you're triggered And generally, the idea is to emulate a secure attachment, what that would be, based on the descriptions in the book, based on a secure relationship of people that you know that you, you know, like their relationship, you see that they have secure attachment, you're essentially, what we said when we were talking about this earlier book, right, is fake it till you make it. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. And how, and how there's really a neurological basis to that. Once you continue to make this decision over and over again, you're rewiring your pathways and your nervous system learns, hey, nothing bad has happened. Yes. Oh, wait, I don't have to perceive this as a threat. Exactly. You know, and then it calms you down and then it, you can naturally make those secure decisions a lot more easily, um, you know, than than before when you felt like you really were forcing yourself to do it. Yes, yes. That's a really good point. And it's it's an important one. It's huge. It's the whole reason we're doing it because we have hope that that will happen, you know? Exactly. And I really like the idea of emulating a secure partnership that you know of. Like if you're in a relationship mm-hmm. now and you know, hey, so-and-so, they really, I really like how they relate to each other, how they talk to each other. I mean, talk about that with your partner. Be like, you know, they're so-and-so seems to really have a a good take on that, you know, and what do you think about implementing this or that or whatever? Or if you're not in a, a a marriage or a a long-term partnership, if you're just now getting into a relationship, Mm -hmm. um, that might be a good way to gauge if that person is right for you. If you can have these open discussions about, Hey, you know, I noticed that your friend or, I noticed that my friend does X, Y, and Z with their partner. I'd like to start doing that with you. Yeah. You know, having those discussions early on could set the relationship on a great path. Yes, totally. Yeah. Just talk about it. Yeah. And I, we set up, um, there are like five steps to this, I think, that are good. And I think on page like 168 or something in the book, there's a chart. Yes. That if you guys want to go to the book and actually follow through and write your own things down, you can. Is it 168? Yes. Okay. Um, So, but basically we went through it and it looks like you have to first understand your own patterns. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you got to be aware of it to change it. 
Yeah. So like start recognizing your patterns of like in yourself. If you're not in a relationship, start doing this just for you so that when you do want to get into a relationship, you can have more of a secure mindset. But if you're in a relationship, figure out your relational patterns. Right. And then recognize common triggers and consistent triggers in your relationship. Maybe the trigger you, the trigger the other person, the yeah. trigger the both of you. And then be more aware of those. And then in the trigger, you want to describe your thoughts and your feelings. Right. What are you thinking? What are you assuming? What are the feelings that come up? And then you want to recognize and write down, hey, why is this way of being, this pattern, why is this not for me? Why, what am I losing out on by continuing to move in this same way totally. that I have? What are the consequences that, that are not working for me anymore? Right. And then identify the secure model and just do that instead. <laughs> yeah. You know. Exactly. And I know that this takes a lot of cognitive effort on mm -hmm. your part and no one really wants to do all this, but if it's something that you really care about changing, you'll do it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this chart on page 168, it really breaks down what Megan just said. Megan kind of simplified it, but uh, if you do need a physical reference on how to write out this chart for yourself, I really think this is really going to be a game changer for a lot of people yeah. in current relationships because it forces you to write down all of what uh, what triggers that situation and then how to overcome it. And yeah. it's just a good way. It's called the relationship inventory chart. And um, I, I suggest that most couples do that. Yeah. And, you know, as an example of what this might look like, I have seen this work actually create better outcomes for me in my own life. Like an example that I was thinking of that could clarify this that I've actually experienced is like, okay, so before working on it, mm -hmm. you know, in the avoidant anxious attachment style pattern, if for example, I talk to my boyfriend Saturday morning and he explains to me everything he's doing that weekend and even like the beginning of next week, everything in detail. Doesn't mention anything about going out that night with um, friends in a mixed group. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then Saturday night comes and mm -hmm. I'm looking on Instagram and one of our mutual friends posts something and they're there with my boyfriend. Yeah. And Triggering. boom, immediately <laughs> triggered. Yeah. I'm very upset by this. Yeah. What are they doing in the picture? Nothing. They're just standing there. They're not doing anything incriminating and they're with our mutual friend. Like <laughs> there are so many reasons to not be uh, nervous about this. Right. But I, as an anxious attached person, think he went out of his way <laughs> that to mother. tell him, mother, he went out of his way <laughs> to tell me every single thing he was going to do up to like Tuesday mm -hmm. and didn't mention this. There's a reason and it's bad. Yeah, and yeah. he specifically didn't want me to know who else is there. I'm like, you know, I become yes. some like IT savvy. <laughs> I'm like on Google Earth. Like who is there? <laughs> who, why is he doing this? He's Is he infatuated with someone there? Is he flirting with someone there? Is he, yeah. he doesn't want this to get back to me? Why? Why? Right. And there probably has been something in our past that I can link <laughs> this to to prove that he yes. is that type of person and he would do that and I should be nervous about that and, and everything <laughs> it just all goes back to that exactly and really that is the vibe <laughs> mother and so now I'm triggered I'm upset I I go maybe into a spiral I can't think about anything else all the characteristics of the anxious attachment yeah. then uh, maybe he calls me mm -hmm. okay now I'm like oh Thanks for gracing me with your <laughs> phone call. Wow, hi. You know. So nice of you to think so of me. So nice of you to think of me. Wow, having fun? Yeah. You know, that type of stuff. Right. I'm being passive aggressive. I'm not actually communicating because it's too scary to say the thing that I want to say because I don't want to be seen as all this other stuff, even though I'm enraged because I exactly. feel like someone else has done something wrong to me. Right. Then they... Uh, uh, respond as like, I, oh, okay, I gotta go. 
by yeah by. they don't even Hang address up. so that the, don't address it yeah you now just showed a bunch of passive mm-hmm. aggressive sh- things hoping that he will mm-hmm. address what's going he on he should know he should know <laughs> and then he says bye now i'm even more upset yeah so then i go off when we do talk about it i'm mad and mm-hmm. i say all the things not even just about last night yeah right all the things and but then in looking back at it maybe i've worked on myself he's worked on himself it happened again something similar to that Mm -hmm. and really i did respond better Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i identified that you know after that situation i identified and we talked about it i said you didn't tell me yeah what you were doing but you told me but it, it is weird that you told me everything else you were doing but not that why Right. And he did say it was because he just, it was easier. Mm-hmm. He just didn't want to get into it. He didn't right. want to talk about it. I thought, he thought I was going to respond that way. So he just didn't say anything. See, like his, an avoidant would be like, oh, see, I knew this would yes, be an issue. Right? Exactly. God, it's, I, that's why I didn't tell you. It's because I knew it would be an issue. Yep. Right. hundred percent. That's exactly what happened and what he said. And then I realized all my triggers, I was, I wrote down what I felt and then confirmed, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to stay in this relationship because here's a list of all the good things about this person. Mm. Here's actually what happened. Here are my assumptions. Here's what didn't happen. And here's what did happen. And then when something like that happened again, I was able to identify, okay, I feel triggered or maybe they, they're working on it too. And they told me that the next time this happened, they didn't tell me so <laughs> yeah they they again didn't tell me and so I was triggered again but I didn't you know get mad I wrote down all my feelings and then I when I talked to them next I just said yeah this is making me nervous because blah 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 right. and it went fine and he really did just didn't know that he was doing that that night and just it just kind of it wasn't it was a spur of the moment thing so there was like nothing to be nervous about but um that's what that might look like like the person the avoidant has done this chart for themselves and then chooses to tell you yeah you know next time and then the anxious person does this chart and chooses to not react passive aggressively and assume the worst right and also trust that what your partner is telling you is mm-hmm. true because mm-hmm. there's also the element of, okay, you agree to now tell me, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. If, but you know, I, in general, there's still some trust issues with usually, or mm-hmm. an anxious attachment can have trust issues. So mm-hmm. just trusting what your partner tells yeah. you. And it's like, and even if you don't, because I feel like that's a problem for me because I do have a lot of trust issues and I, I can't just like, oh, okay, I trust you now. That doesn't make sense to me yeah. in my body. That just won't work. So I have to literally say, yeah, I am nervous about this. There is no proof that that's happening. That is an assumption. I am going to put this aside. There we go. Period. Yeah. And it's the act of trusting. Right. So I'm not looking up on them, looking at pictures, trying to figure something out. I'm not being a detective. I'm saying I'm putting this aside. And then that act of trusting will lead to more trust. Yes. You know? Yes. And it all starts with doing that first step, right? Yeah. Of just one act of trust will then start developing that uh, habit. It yeah. kind of turns into a habit at that point. You're like, okay, yeah. I can habitually trust this person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just some reminders on how to deal with that. But that was a perfect situation that you brought up. I mean, that would have driven me nuts. Nuts. <laughs> I know. And really though, I guess why I bring that up is that the work works. Yes. Doing the stuff works. It's not that I'm not anxiously attached now. It's that I know my triggers and I know how to cope. And in certain moments, <laughs> it doesn't work and I forget and I'm in the moment and whatever. But in other moments, it works really well. And I have so many more of those moments now, now that I've done the work. I have so many yeah. more moments where I'm not um, taken over by it all, you know? Yeah. The more you're aware of it, the more you can, you know, deal with it better. But yeah. I think writing down is a really good 
way of doing it is just writing down what you're feeling because a lot of the times I think we don't realize a lot of what we're feeling is just assumptions or just not true or and when you actually put pen to paper or when you like we talked about you know discuss it with a friend or discuss Mm -hmm. it with someone in the moment like even when you're so worked up you know you see the pictures on Instagram and that one moment you know when that's like first hits you yes that stomach feeling yeah and now you have a a pit in the the bottom of your stomach and now whatever plans you had that night are completely ruined Uh you're not gonna be able to enjoy your night until you know what happened at this why he kept it from you all these things so instead of just spiraling with that you know we've already talked about spiraling in our previous episodes Mm but check them out 11 listeners (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't checked those out 11 of you um you know, there are things to do to stop spiraling. And a big thing is to just talk to someone and also discuss what you're feeling in the moment because then your friend can be like, okay, I, that kind of sounds like an assumption or, you know, it's not really happening or that sounds completely off base. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, get your mind right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, the idea is just, Try to be the healthiest you. Yeah. You know, and then over time you won't receive, you'll have more healthy boundaries and not receive red flags as something you need to fix. Yeah. You know, and then it can show you if you want to be in that relationship or not, or what to maybe work on. That's such a huge point. What the red flags to not fix, right? Mm -hmm. Because codependents see red flags and it's not like stop, go the other direction. Mm -hmm. It's, Oh, something to change oh, into a green. Yeah, exactly. Hey. A, a challenge? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, listeners, thank you so much for being with us and um let us know in the comments if you if you like us and <laughs> <laughs> this is helpful and stories yeah. you know of your own, um, maybe how this has worked for you, how, what you're struggling with. I want to hear your craziest stories with avoidance in the past. Yeah. I want to... Or anxious. If you're avoiding, I want to hear the story with anxious. Yes. And on a very quick side note, if there are any Office fans listening, I just made a correlation in my head just now. Mm -hmm. You know that one episode where Jim and Pam don't talk about the fact that Pam was left at a sporting event by Roy? Yes. So that's what's interesting is if you look at the character of Roy, he was definitely an avoidant attachment, right? right? And him leaving her at the game and being so worked, you know, into the game with his buddy partly is an avoidant <laughs> attachment thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it could I brought be. my brother on this date and then I left you here. Yeah. 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 Totally. And Pam talks about it as that one incident that never gets brought up. Yeah. I want to know all listeners. I want to know your guys' Pam Beasley <laughs> yes. left at a sports game yes. stories. Tell us. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah. And you can email us at doyoulikeuspod at gmail.com. Yeah. So send in your stories, no matter how wacky or lengthy they are, we will read we it all. It. Yeah. All right. And we will see you next week. Yes. And with that being said, do, do you, you like us? us? We'll get it at yeah. some point. <laughs> Bye. Bye.